0: And uh, myself giving you the Million Dollar Agent podcast the day after the ARIC day four. Uh, guys, again, uh, well done to uh, the team, uh, the ARIC team, Susan, for being able at short notice to put on an incredible event. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some nice stuff. You'd like to give you an example. Yesterday, both Alex Jordan and um, marcus send a message saying hey you know thank you so much for allowing you. i mean we're the ones that should be thanking them right <laughs> they're the ones that go off they go they're good people you know
1: well, they were extraordinary Tommy. me as were you by the way i thought that was one of the best little uh, 20 minute snapshots i've seen you do but um i just you know i've said i think alex jordan will be the best agent in the country in the next few years marcus chiminello probably is the best agent today and i thought you were extraordinary and uh I thought it was really good. We actually tried and I did a debrief today with our team and just some of the things that came up that, that they were talking through. If you just start in real estate, and I think that's one of the situations we might handle this week or next time, but if you started off in real estate and you just watched that video and you kind of picked out eight things to create a plan around and did them religiously, man, you're going to be in the top 1%. These guys gave us some gold. gold. So yeah, that was really good.
0: Now, John, we're mindful of time because we know you've got a, an appointment in around 25 minutes or uh, yeah. even less 20 minutes. And what we're going to do is do some situational coaching. And that is, Ooh. these are questions that have more or less been stormed by our audience. And um, situation one, and Troy, I'm going to really look for your, uh, your training input here as well. Yeah. Situation one, vendor in database holding off from coming onto the market, thinking that later in the year, uh, COVID-19 would have disappeared. And what do you say to those persons? So you've got, so if you just picture it, someone that was gonna come onto the market and they're having a bit of a conversation and they're sort of saying, John and Troy, listen, you know, like it's still a bit raw. Maybe we'll wait till the weather's better. It's getting colder. We'll put it on in spring because we actually think by spring, Real estate's going to be in full swing again. What, what do you say to that person? Um,
1: I'll kick off if you'd like, Troy. Uh, look, I, I think the first thing, Tommy, of everything is you've got to understand what's, you know, you've got to understand what's in their mind. What are they thinking? Are they thinking, is it, a, is it a cyclical thing, cold weather? Is it a fear of what's happening? Do they think the market or the economy is going to improve in six months? I would want to get inside their head because at the end of the day, and Marcus said this yesterday, you've got to create a bespoke plan that suits the property and the client and situation. So, you know, no cookie cuttering, people aren't interested in cookie cutter, people want to say, so first thing I'd say, Tom, give me a sense of what you're thinking because there's different views out there with various experts about things are going to get better or worse. I know right now, you know, what I'm finding as an agent in your particular area is I did three sales last week and we cleared 87% of our auctions, even during COVID at before and within 14 days after. So, we're confident that things are actually are buyers out there, but tell me more about what are you thinking? So then I guess, Tom, they're either going to say, well, we think the market's going to go up in which case you go to that great graph. I think you had yesterday on the, on the Eric digital, where you said, you know, here's the problem, Tom, is when the market goes up, everything tends to go up at about the same level and therefore the gap doesn't get any closer. So I think there's not a great benefit there. However, if you are thinking the market could go down, cash is king. If we get you out of this home, worst case scenario, into a six to 12 month rental, and then if things do get a bit darker towards the end of the year when the government and the banks sort of pull away some of their support structures, then you'll be in a great position to really buy things with a cash unconditional settlement at probably an attractive price. So step one, you have to find out what's in their mind. Could be their daughter's doing the HSC in November, in which case, well, it's a no brainer. We wait until she's done the HSC. So it could be a personal thing. It could be a view of the market. And as you said yesterday, Tom, you know, it it was, uh, is that that yesterday up on your website or your, can people see it? Go to your Facebook Um, or something?
0: um, Sorry, I've actually sent it. Yes, it's it's actually up on my Facebook and I've actually even sent it to Shah and Shah was sending it out to everyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. People, if, if someone didn't see it yesterday, because I'm going to refer today because I can't help it because there's so much gold, mm. but you know, you were talking about, you know, is this a logical situation and if the market goes up, all markets go up, which they generally do. You, you don't find your market goes up and the one you're buying into doesn't. That would be a rare event and it's one that's impossible to to predict. So, you know, customised empathy, find out what are they thinking, why are they thinking hold off? Is it because of the HSC? Is it because they think the market's going to get better if it does, doesn't matter. If they think the market's going to get worse, definitely holding off feels like a strategy that's flawed. And I think if you do all of that, people just need to get this fear out of their head. And I'm not saying you ask a question so you can get your way and you, you know, you arm wrestle them down and sign it. I'm saying you do it so you really understand what is their thinking, and then you have to have the courage to either agree or disagree, based on what you really think. And, and sometimes I'll say I could, I could totally see why you're seeing it that way, Tom, and. I respect that if I could share my view, which is a bit different as to what I think might happen with the market. And then I share that. And then we either have a meeting of the minds one way, ultimately the client's got the control and they say, look, you know, hear what you say, John, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait. Or I hear what you say. You've actually convinced us we should go now and we might get a longer settlement. So we might actually get a four month settlement. That takes us into the spring period. So that would be the things. Troy, what have I missed?
2: No, I think John, Marcus also mentioned yesterday about um, other clients looking for a specific price or is it their circumstances that is making their decision now? So they're looking for a specific price that might extend the campaign a little bit and they may have to hold out a little bit to get that specific price. They're looking for somewhat even maybe six months. But if it's a circumstance Maybe something's happened in their family circumstance or situation or maybe it's got something to do with their current employment. If there's a circumstance that's changing the way they're thinking about it, then the timing is right. The one thing I'd emphasise to everyone on this call is just to say, use case studies. There are some phenomenal sales that we're all hearing about over the past 14 days that have been happening around the grounds. Sales that you wouldn't anticipate would have happened maybe three months ago when COVID Mm -hmm. started. So use those and if you can't find them, ask your colleagues in the office what sales have been happening and tell me a little bit more about the information that's there. What was the campaign like? What was the inspections like? How many people were registered at the auction? Did it go to auction? How many active bidders were there? Did it go past reserve? Start to tell a story around the case studies that you've got, because that's the evidence-based information that most vendors are going to rely on. They're not going to rely on a real estate professional saying the timing's right. Um, they're probably not going to rely so much on the media either because, you know, if you look back at Tom, your post a couple of months ago, there was meant to be 150,000 deaths in Australia. So you've got to kind of have that evidence-based information and pitch it in a way that the vendor understands and can make the right decision. I think you're 100% right, John.
0: Yeah, on that post, that came about because I had a guy that was saying to me, he pulled out, he had a City Morning Herald front page saying prices are going to drop by 33%. So I quickly Googled, because I remember the front page of the Herald Uh, said there'll be a minimum of 50,000 deaths and there'll be a maximum of 150,000 deaths. And I brought it up on my phone and I said, well, look, here's the issue. The person that published this also published that. Let's look at the actual numbers. I said, there'd been 98 that had died at the time. I said, there's 98. That's still a lot of people, but that's a lot different to a minimum number of 50,000. Look, I actually spoke to the person that actually gave me this question. And the first thing I said to them is this, you've got to get out of your head, is there a tricky thing that you can say to someone to actually come onto the market earlier? Because if you're actually starting, you're actually beginning to think about yourself. And I'm gonna give you a really good example. Today, I got a phone call from a client, I've never spoken to book an auction. And um, I said, out of curiosity, um, why did you ring now? He says, I follow you on Facebook. I said, who was your normal auctioneer? And he gave me the name and I said, all right, I go, is he not available? He said, no. He said, what pissed me off was I'd been using this company for six years. And when they changed it, that auctions on site weren't allowed, he said, I've still booked it in my system. I'm sorry. And um, I think to myself, how many times do people Make a decision based on a short-term scenario, right? Now, this guy, I mean, I can't help him because, you know, it's out of the area and um, I'm not auctioning much at the moment anyway. But the bottom line is this guy's lost, He's this company's lost a client. And I know that, McGrath, because I was on your call, and I remember at the time you said, we're going to do the right thing. Any clients that have been impacted we're going to sort them out. And I think John and Troy, a lot of people don't realize whatever advice you give to someone, you've got to bear in mind, if you give them the right advice, and if they like you, hey, they're going to do business with you in 2022 anyway. So there's no point thinking of some Amway's line to get them over, right? Um, But I think I think there's a view out there that chances are that the market's going to be now as good, if not better than it will be in spring, you know, and you've just got to go on the facts. I just want to move on a to situation too. buyer who has put in a low offer that really wants the property and he's using the media to talk the market down. What's, how, do you, how do you respond to that? And I presume people watching this are having buyers that are actually you know, saying, hey, I want to offer this because this is what the you know, paper said. Response, John, to that? So I think uh, Alex Jordan
1: gave a great response yesterday, which is similar to that, which I would use, Tom, which is, you know, Tom, I've got to say at $800,000, that's a very, very low offer in my opinion, an offer that would be hard for me to recommend to the vendor can I just understand how you've come up with that particular offer um, just so I can understand your thinking. So first thing is, and I loved Alex's tips around negotiation. He said, calm, pause, silence. Don't rush it. Oh, okay. 800,000. I'll take that to the vendor. Yeah, Okay. Well, I'll call you back. Look, it's a bit low, but let's see what happens. that That's not controlling it. So Alex's pause. That's a low offer, Tom. Um, but let me just understand what are you thinking? Because it's gonna be an offer that will be hard if the vendor asked me to recommend it. It's not a figure that I would recommend, but you let me know why you came up with that. What we're trying to do here, Tom, is trying to identify, is this a budgetary issue? Or is this a difference in opinion of value? If they say, John, to be honest, 800,000 is my maximum, the bank won't let me go to 801. If you've got an offer at 800 and a half, you have to take it. Well, certainly don't bother ringing me because I can't compete above 800. I respect that totally. And then I will take that to the vendor with the premise that this is their highest offer. Um, it's not an offer that I think is, is, is represents a value, but it's there. They're ready to go. They're unconditional, whatever. Um, so I think the first thing is to understand whether this, now, if they say, oh, well, that's what I think it's worth. Then I would explore further. Could you tell me how you came up with that figure or what are you comparing it to? And then often the answer is they haven't got anything. They're just trying to lowball it or they're coming up with something that that is probably inaccurate figure, because if you know it's worth 850 and they're saying 800 because the one across the road went for 790 and you know the one across the road went for 830, that's a conversation. Um, And then the third one, Tom, and I I heard you say it very articulately a few weeks ago on one of our webinars, I think, or or podcasts. And you said, you know, so that being the case, John, Tom, I just need to let you know, there are other people having a look at it and I'm expecting some other interest. If I get a bid, you know, at the eight ten mark or above, is that something you want me to come back to you on or not? So then you're kind of testing them because if they're genuinely just foxing, it's very hard for them to say, no, 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 don't come back to me. I've told you 800. If they're genuinely at 800, they're out. So you, what you need to do is to establish, you know, A is, is this budgetary or is this a disagreement on, on comparables? And, and B is, are you foxing or are you really at that figure and you're locked in? Troy, what have I missed?
2: John, I'd begin diving deep on the buyer. I'd be really understanding their personal circumstances. Tom, you know, we we talk about progressing buyers and really understanding them as individuals. And if they're throwing out Numbers that, you know, are quite low based on the relevant sales that have even happened during the COVID period. Um, that would be a warning bill for me. So I would want to understand, you know, have they attended multiple open for inspections or private appointments for that particular mm-hmm. home? Um, have they requested a contract? Have they made any changes to that contract? Um, have they completed a building and pest report or a strata report? Have they downloaded that? Have they got their finances in place? And then what other properties have they actually seen that there's been in their range that they've maybe made offers on or attended open for inspections of as well? And then how did they come up with that price? So I kind of take them through and if I was getting a lot of crosses that they hadn't performed those other functions, I'd obviously be taking the offer and wanting to really do a deep dive on how they came to that number. But if they're well educated about the market, and as John said, it was more of a budgetary comment or conversation, then I'd obviously treat that
0: differently. I heard James Tostevin in a real estate gym interview three days ago say he was faced with this situation. And he said to the buyer, can I ask you, how long have you been looking? The buyer said for five months. And he said, I hope you realize it ain't easy finding a home you love. And it sounds like you do like this one. And the good news is that because of coronavirus, I'm having this conversation with you and not three other people as well. So um, he just sort of you know the way he articulated it is uh is is was immaculate, but I heard another beautiful thing that Dane Atherton say the other day he said, "Tom, at the end of the day, you can go over it and over it, but when the property's been priced right and it's been realigned, the magical buyer always appears, so you don't have to stress too much, you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. my my last my last one is um." Uh, vendor wants to do an off-market listing. Hey, Tommy, listen, we want to go with McGrath's. Love it all, but you know what? Let's, 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 uh, let's just keep it on the hush. Don't want to go and spend the realestate.com domain money. You know, like get, your, get, get your, your, your buyer database. If you want to do it that way, fine. If not, don't worry about it. What's the approach that you'd recommend to the McGrath people if they were asking you that question?
1: Very similar, Tommy, the ones we've just been talking about. You know, could I just understand fully, and you mentioned there that the cost it might be one of the major drivers, and I respect that, and let's put that to the side for the minute. Is there any reason other than the marketing investment that you'd be wanting to keep this off market? Because my personal view is that whilst we sell many properties off market, generally the record prices and, and the best and fastest results come when we are able to expand the market and explore other options. So again, I'm finding out, is this, well, I'm getting divorced and I don't want anyone to find out. Uh, is this, I'm in financial distress and I don't want anyone to find out possibly in this environment, could be, could be the second one. Um, or is it, no, I just genuinely don't believe that spending $10,000 and putting a board out the front actually helps me, in which case, back to Troy's point, some great case studies. So Lisa, Lisa and, and some of the other great speakers on Eric Live Tommy, they said, look, we've got a two-step approach, Tom. I'd, I'd love to do it that way and, as Marcus said yesterday, why don't we start that way? Because that's the way it feels most comfortable for you. Let me get some of the very best buyers I've been working with. that Absolutely, this home almost specifically is described what they're looking for. Let me get them through. We'll get some feedback, Tom. And one of two things, I'm either going to sell it for you off market. or if we, Or if at that point we haven't sold it, but we had encouraging feedback, you may want to reconsider perhaps going to a broader market because there's nothing like competitive tension, Tom in maximizing price as much as I would back myself to be a very, very experienced and competent negotiator. I'm twice as good a negotiator when I've got two people want the same home as I am when there's one. So that would be my ideal outcome is we get more buyers, we get them emotionally connected, wanting to move into the home mentally and emotionally. And then we create that competitive tension. But how, however, what I'd love to do is start your way. So I would still question up front. And if they kind of said, no, well, I just, that's the way I want to do it. Then I'd say let's start that way, but I'd plant the seed that I think we should we should review in a fortnight and let's see. Many of our clients go stage one, stage two. If we don't sell stage one, they'd love shifting to stage two. So again, always about empathy, always about a bespoke solution. You know, Marcus said it yesterday, you've got to go with them. If they say, Well, I want to start it that way, you you know, you've got to be careful you don't push back too hard. Because some agents talk themselves out of a gig because they're pushing back and they say, look, I really think that's crazy. And I think you need to rethink about it and sleep on it overnight. The next agent walks in and said, I think that's really doable. Let's, let's start that way and do it. Sign them up. Deal's done. Troy?
0: I, I can't help it. But everything both you guys have said so far have basically haven't been a response. It's actually come back with a question. You're actually leading. They say something and then you're leading with a question because what I'm Um, getting is the view that what you're saying is you need to find out really what are they really saying here in a situation and don't assume it. Troy, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, Tom, you've
2: got to uncover what they really are trying to get from the situation. You can't kind of think that someone says something and they're going to tell you upfront exactly how it is. Part of our role at those customer service experience managers and really uncovering what the intent is of the vendor and what they want to achieve. You know, talking about an off-market sale, I'd be asking a better question to say, what does that look like to you, Mr. and Mrs. Jones? Because there's many different types of off-market sales. Um, My recommendation is we do a slightly softer approach and we get all the marketing elements complete and we send that to the the buyers and the data that we've been working with with a philosophy that after the first 14 days or even the first seven days if we haven't extracted a very premium result we would move into the second phase of the marketing and that marketing campaign you want to expose it to as many people as possible what i'm noticing tom and even the conversations we've had offline there's many buyers out there and there's a lot of people thinking about buying but they're not necessarily active in the market right so the passive buyer out there right now They're going to be looking at things like realestate.com when they're sitting on the lounge, realizing that they've been locked up in their house for the last couple of weeks and they don't want to be there in the next 12 months. So you're going to have those opportunities that present themselves. And I think it's our job to uncover the intent of what the conversation is with the vendor and really show them the path forward. They're looking for trusted advisors right now. They're not necessarily looking for the slick Rick salesperson that's going to get the transaction and be done with it. It's all about questions, Tom, you're right. And and I think that we've got that from so many
1: of the legends over the series and, and I listened to your real estate Jim, and our MDA podcast. It's all about understanding why a buyer, a seller or anyone that you're dealing with is in that mindset and then then working with them. And you might agree with the mindset when you know what it is, but so many agents, they jump to recommendations and they jump into, into a whole range of statements before they really understand. And that's what we heard through so many of our top, Um, people in the digital live is it's it's all about that by the way Troy very fast haircut there I just have to say before we end up here that's got to be one of the fastest haircuts I've seen on you in 20 years thank you you look
0: (laughs) you look, (laughs) you look you look you look you look amazing you look amazing you sound amazing.
2: One, one one episode. I was hoping we were going to get away with just one episode of not picking on me, but here he goes Tommy's off again. And while that's
0: going on I'm <laughs> watching Johnny. Your little dog is coming in and in, Come on. in and out. Let's 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 bring what's the name of the dog John? Snitzel. She's she's upset
1: because someone's ringing on the bell, but I think it's just someone delivering a parcel. Snitzel,
0: it's okay. It's
1: all right. Come here. Come on.
0: <laughs> she's
1: she's upset because she's not you. sure if there's someone downstairs. But
0: I've got to tell you, the courier or the postman ain't going to be scared of that dog. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. So anyway, that was three scenarios, um, and um, I like scenarios. I like doing a case study and breaking it up. And you know what I summarise out of this conversation is meet people where they're at don't fight them, don't put too much friction, meet them where they're at, and maybe just dig a little bit deeper to find out what's this all about. And I think sometimes that real estate, and it it does take a little bit of guts sometimes because I think this having this ability to have what John calls soft, hard conversations, requires you to actually be able to be courageous enough to sort of say tell me a little bit more um, but anyway fantastic I will see you both next week um, and um, have a great week to everyone listening let's go out there and uh, listen sell. So. there ain't no thinking this winter holiday <laughs> see you <bro. laughs>